talk to us this morning from this subject, when God doesn't answer your prayers, when God does not answer your prayers. F.B. Meyer said the greatest tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. The greatest tragedy of life, F.B. Meyer says, is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. God will not answer 100% of the prayers you don't pray. But what happens when you sincerely from your heart pray and God does not answer? The question of unanswered prayer is on the minds of most praying people. Though we rarely admit it because it seems so irreverent. It seems so irreligious. It seems almost blasphemous to say that we pray and God does not answer. Because Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. You've asked, but God did not give it to you. You sought it out, and you have not found it. You have knocked on the door, and God seems to be absent. The heavens seem to be made of brass, and God is not hearing you. And, and to raise that question in your mind, it's always on the back burner. It's always on the back of your minds. I pray but there's no answer. So why pray in the first place? I ask God to deliver and he has not answered me. I ask God to heal my mother and she died. I ask God to get my child off drugs and he overdosed. I ask God to rid me of this depression and there's still a dark cloud following me everywhere I go. I ask God for strength and there are days when it's hard for me to put one foot in front of the other. God, where are you when I'm in pain? Why don't you answer me? Your word said you would. There are others who've called on you and you've responded I called on you, God, in the night seasons, and there seems to be no answer. There are few experiences more painful than having desperate prayers 
go unanswered. Unanswered prayer has a way of breaking us. It has a way of deepening us. It has a way of exposing us and, and making us in a way and in a word that I hate using the word vulnerable. Unanswered prayer makes us feel like we are by ourselves. Unanswered prayers for believers who are struggling and people who love God, folk who go to church, but they are scared almost to admit that I have prayed and God did not respond. But if you stay with it, if you let God, he'll transform you. If you allow God to do his perfect work in your life, unanswered prayer and God not speaking does not mean that God is not talking. Because there are some unspoken things that God wants to happen in your life. Because there are some things, brothers and sisters, you will never see in the daylight. God's got to show you in the dark. There are some situations that will never work itself out while you are tossing and turning. You've just got to lay it in God's hands because what prayer is, is transferring your burden to his shoulder. I don't understand it. I don't know what you're up to. I don't know what you're trying to do. I don't know why anybody is not coming to help me. I don't know why I'm struggling the way I am. I've been praying. I've been tithing. I've been reading the scripture. I've been trying to live right. All that I do is what your word says. And it seems like, God, you've forgotten me. There's a prayer of dereliction on the cross. Where even Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? In, in, this, in this text this morning, Paul goes to the Lord a sufficient number of times. And he asks God to move the thorn. God does not say yes or no. God doesn't answer at all. Because Paul is looking for God to answer in the affirmative because he's saying to himself, as I would say, I can't do what you need me to do with this crippling thorn. Move it so I can better serve you. God does not say I'm going to move it. God does not say I'm not going to move it. Because when you look at Paul's life, if, if anybody ought to be just, just jumping and shouting because of who God made him. It's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, other than Jesus, is the greatest preacher who ever lived. Just, just read the book of Romans. Just, just read Paul's writings in Ephesians. Just read what he writes in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Just read the pastoral epistles other than Jesus, the greatest preacher alive at the time or in our time is the Apostle Paul, a Jew by birth, a Roman by citizenship, 
A tent maker by trade. A lawyer by profession. A Pharisee by religious upbringing. And a Christian because of what happened on the Damascus Road. And when you read uh, Paul's catalog and Paul's chronicle, when you read Paul's resume, the church was afraid to take him in. Because Paul, Saul at the time, was holding the garments of Stephen who was being stoned because of his faith. But it is the same Saul that was arrested on the Damascus Road. And the Lord Jesus himself says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said to the Lord, what will you have me to do? He says, go on where you were going. Keep on going to Straight Street. And there's a man there who will tell you what I want you to do. Paul is struck blind. And in his blindness, God deals with him. And the scales fall from his eyes and he becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. And when Paul gets ready to join the church, they're scared to take him in. He is a notorious killer. He is the worst criminal that the church could ever think of because he bound men and women for talking about Jesus. But thank God for Barnabas who goes to sit with Paul on the back row and Barnabas comes back to tell the church we don't need to be scared to take him in. He's no longer persecuting Saul. He's praying Paul. He's no longer a student of Gamaliel. He's a servant of the Lord. And every time Paul got ready to preach he did not open his mouth unless he gave them his testimony. I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And before you tell somebody about how they ought to live their life, tell them what God did for you. Tell them when you were on the junk heap, when your life was going down the drain. Don't act like you've been saved and in church all your life. Remind them and yourself. of what God did when he found you. I have an affinity. I have an affinity for people who've had rough lives. I, I did not live a rough, rough life. And, and rough in terms of being on the streets. I've been in church all my life. All I know is the church. I was raised, born and raised in the church. All I know is church. But I've had some brothers, I've had some friends, there are some people I know at this church who came up on the streets. And, and street people are different from folk who were just raised in the church. Uh, when, when you were raised in the church, sometimes you get proud that you've never been to jail. Or you've never raped anybody, or you've never stolen anything, or you've never smoked dope, or you've never... Uh, committed a crime and, 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 and that's, that's wonderful praise God for that but the praise ought to really be God kept me from going to jail God kept me from committing a crime 
God kept me from smoking dope. Not because I was so holy or so righteous. God just kept me from what some other people got involved in. Because salvation is not always what God delivers you from. Salvation is most times what God kept you from. But I have an affinity. I have an affinity for, for people who, who made it on the streets. Because they don't mind telling you where they came from. They, they don't mind testifying what God did for them. Uh, I, I, I like talking to people who, who used to be drug addicts, but now they're preachers and deacons. Uh, people who used to be on the streets doing all kind of damnable things, but God got them in a choir right now. Or God has them standing as an usher. I love talking to those people because it reminds me of what I could have been doing that God kept me from. And I'm not better because they were doing what they were doing. I'm just here like them by the grace of God. And everybody in here has a before and an after testimony. I once was lost in sin. I wish I had somebody to help me preach it. But Jesus took me in. Have I got a witness here? Paul says, if you want to brag, I mean, if you really want to boast, let me tell you about a man about 14 years ago who was taken up to the third heaven and saw some things that no mortal is committed to talk about. He said, I would brag, I would boast, but I, let me tell you about a man. And Paul is talking in the third person to tell them, I know a man who has something to boast about and to brag about. And then before he boasts and brags, when you read the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he chronicles and catalogs what he went through as a servant of God. Let down the wall in a basket. Run out of town by his own kinfolk. Spent a day and a night in the bosom of the deep. Nakedness. Peril of the sword. Hungry. Paul was shipwrecked. Received 40 lashes minus one. Paul went through all kinds of things that he didn't have to go through because he was a Roman citizen. But here Paul says, I know a man about 14 years ago who was taken up to the third heaven and he saw some things that he's not committed to talk about, but he said, when I, when I think about it, what God did to keep my feet on the ground, he gave me, he gifted me with a thorn in the flesh. An overwhelming pain. Paul who is God's preacher, is given an overwhelming pain. It's a thorn. A thorn. It's not, it's not a, a sticker uh, on a rose bush. It's not a pinprick. It's not uh, a hangnail. It's, it's not snagging your finger uh, on a thorn bush and getting a paper cut, Paul says, I was given a wooden stake. 
driven into my flesh. I was impaled on a wooden stake. And not only is he impaled on it, Paul says, I'm buffeted by it. That word buffet means to strike with the fist. And, and, and the word, the verb is in the present tense, active voice. I'm continually bothered with this thorn. The Bible does not give us the nature of Paul's thorn. There's conjecture that Paul had a debilitating eye disease because he was stricken with blindness on the Damascus Road. And some of his letters were written by an amanuensis. An amanuensis is a $75 word for a secretary. So if you're a secretary, call yourself an amanuensis. Uh, that, that just sounds better than secretary. Uh, Paul wrote some of his letters were written by others because of his eyesight. And then some believe that Paul had a malarial fever that he contracted while on one of his missionary journeys. Paul has been described as being bald-headed and humpbacked, not, not desirable to look upon. He had crippling arthritis, perhaps. The Bible does not tell us what his thorn is, and I'm glad the Bible does not name the thorn because the thorn does not necessarily have to be something physical. Somebody may be afflicted with depression. Somebody may be afflicted with having to have the burden of taking care of an elderly family member with no help. That's a thorn in the flesh. You, you have put your life on hold to take care of an aging family member and the rest of the family going out to dinner. Living their best life now. Having a ball while you are chained to a responsibility. That's a thorn in the flesh. Or maybe there is some hurt. There's some pain from yesterday's gone by that you have tried to outrun. But when you get quiet and by yourself, the pain comes rushing in. And you have to smile to keep from crying. You have to pretend like everything is going well. And the mask on your face, even this morning, is masking your misery. Masking your heartbreak. Masking your pain. Masking your anger. Masking your frustration. It's not a physical thorn. But you may have a psychological thorn. You may have an emotional thorn. And you've gone to God and begged God to move it. But brothers and sisters, hear me. Paul says, and, and this is the, the, the strange thing in the text, it's the messenger of Satan. Satan carried it but God conceived it. Satan brought it, but God sent it. So if Satan brought it and God sent it, God must know 
I have it. And God must know that it's debilitating. God must know that it's weighing me down. God must know that I want to get out from under it. Because nothing happens in my life without God's permission. He permitted it. And so since he permits my pain, he must have a purpose. It's an overwhelming pain with an overruling purpose. Paul said, there's a thorn in my flesh. It's not a pinprick. It's not a thorn from a rose bush. I am impaled on a wooden stake, driven into my flesh, buffeted into my flesh, and it hurts in a way that I can't describe. And listen, as a Christian, you need to admit when you're in pain. Stop acting superhuman. You need to admit, I am in pain. I am in trouble. I am hurting. I am masking it. But when I get home and take off all this stuff, there's an itch that I can't scratch. There's a burden that I can't get out from under. There's a situation I wish I had some help with, but I look like I'm in this thing by myself. God, where are you? In the midst of my pain. Well, I think the purpose is to regulate your flesh. Paul says, except I should be exalted above measure. I, I think the reason God sends blessed people burdens is to keep us from becoming top heavy. Because when you're pretty, you think you ain't gonna have no problem. When you're smart, you think you can think your way out of anything. When you make a lot of money, you think you can buy your way out of any problem. So God's got to send some stuff in your life to make you understand. I don't care how pretty you are. I don't care how fine you are. I don't care what college you went to. I don't care what the bottom line is in your bank account. I don't care how much you have in your 401k. There's going to be some things that's going to come in your life that only prayer is going to be able to handle. And sometimes when you pray, God won't even answer. Uh, he keeps you from thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. The problem with preaching up here and singing up here is looking down there. Because us up here looking down there makes you think that us up here really got it going on. 
But you'd be surprised to know that the person seated right next to you got so many things going on in their lives. They are juggling so many balls in the air and they are just trying to put one foot in front of the other. And if the Lord don't hurry up and come to their rescue, they are going to lose their mind because they've been praying and praying and struggling and working and stressing and striving and pushing and pulling and it doesn't seem to make any difference at all. Uh, but not only is the purpose to regulate your flesh, is to rejuvenate your faith. Because trouble will send you to your knees. Pain will teach you how to pray. Loss will help you find God when you're least expected. Misery will make you get down on your knees. I need somebody here who's had a hard time and God showed up just when you needed him the most. You can help me testify in the words of Isaiah. Has thou not known? I wish I had a Bible reader. Has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Father, the creator of the ends of the earth, there's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and grow weary. I wish I had two or three more Bible readers. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You waited in that apartment. You're in a house today. You waited riding that old car with the hubcaps missing, but look where the Lord has brought you today. You waited at the bottom of the ladder of success, but God has elevated you to the top of success. If you wait on the Lord, He'll renew your strength. The proverb said, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Jeremiah said, if you run with the footmen and they wearied you, how shall you contend with horses? God sends thorns. God sends problems to drive us to our knees. And brothers and sisters, I've lived long enough and I've been sick enough to pray and God doesn't answer. I could not turn myself over. And the devil came in my room and said, here you are preaching the gospel, calling yourself leading God's people. What kind of God would leave you in the condition that you're in? If God is God, why are you so sick? And all I could do was cry. But God has a way of sending the Holy Spirit 
to take your groanings. I wish I had somebody who had to groan in the midnight hour. God will send the Holy Ghost to take your groanings and the Spirit will take what you're groaning and bring it up to God in heaven and says, now if he could talk, this is what he'd be saying. Father, I stretch. I wish I had a witness here. Anybody here been broke and the Lord paid your bills? Anybody here been sick and the Lord healed your body? Anybody here been depressed and the Lord lifted your bow down head? Help me testify. The Holy Ghost will take your groaning. <sighs> to keep you from being top heavy. I've kept you here too long. I'm through. There's an overwhelming pain. There's an overruling purpose, but there's an overjoyful promise. Paul said, I went to the Lord three times and asked him to move the thorn. God didn't say yes or no. God said, my grace is sufficient. I have divine sufficiency for whatever your situation is. I have divine sovereignty. I overrule, I superrule all conditions in your life. Because hear me, brothers and sisters, God gets more glory from using us in our weakness. I said God gets more glory from using us in our weakness. If you could do it in your education, God wouldn't get the glory. If you could do it in your youth, God wouldn't get the glory. If you could do it by your street smarts, God wouldn't get the glory. But God, wait, God waits until you are out of gas. God waits until all your energy is done. God waits until you can't go another day. God waits until you can't see how you're going to make it out. And then God shows up like only God can show up. Not with an answer, but with his grace. And when God shows up with his grace, you're able to stand up on your feet again. When God shows up with his grace, you just keep on doing what you're doing and don't even know where the strength is coming from. When God shows up with his grace... He just puts a smile on your face. And you don't care who's doing what or who's not doing what. You just keep on doing what you know is the right thing to do. And God just shows up in your situation and turns your midnights into day. Turns your dark clouds into a sunshiny day. I need one or two more witnesses here who's had to be under a heavy burden. But God came to your rescue. You had to be under a severe trial. But God came to see about you. The problem is still going on. But you got strength to handle your situation. The problem is still in your life. But God has just given you joy for the journey. 
the circumstance is still weighing on you but you're just still able to come to church anyway and tell God thank you for what you've already done I need a witness this morning who knows God's grace is sufficient won't he do it won't he show up won't he be God in the midst of your trials won't he be strength in the midst of your weakness won't he be joy in the midst of your sorrow won't he be a burden bearer in the midst of your situation is there anybody here know God's grace is sufficient is there anybody here know God can carry you through why don't you look at somebody tell them I don't know what you're going through but this too will pass this too will pass come on say it like you mean it I don't know what your problem is but God will turn it around won't he do it won't he turn it around won't he turn it around if you don't believe God will turn it around come with me to a hill called Calvary one Friday on a skull shaped hill and a blood soaked cross Jesus died didn't he die they thought it was all over they buried him in a borrowed grave he stayed there all night Friday night stay there all day Saturday stay there all night Saturday night but bright early bright early bright early Sunday morning he got up from the grave because God will turn it around is there anybody here had a Friday in your life is there anybody here had a dark day in your life why don't you help me testify he will turn it around he will make it all right he will turn your midnights in the day he will be a mother for you he will be a doctor for you come on help me testify come on use your preaching voice God will make a way somehow 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 I know he's I had a witness who could help me testify he will turn it around tell him thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you 
thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for turning it around. Thank you for making it brand new. Thank you for drying my tears. Thank you for answering my prayer. Thank you. You may not come when I want you, but you always, hey, always, I know he's all Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Be not dismayed. Whatever be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide. God will take care of you. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon his breast. God will take care of you. Won't he do it? Say yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes. I know he's all right. <laughs>